All right, have I got this on? All right, that's good. That's good. Uh, welcome. Uh, thank you. For, go, kill the monitor on this for now, will you, Rob? That way, if I step over here, I don't wake everybody up. All right. Uh, welcome to our outdoor service. Thank you for um, obliging us, I guess, with an idea that we had a couple of months ago. We thought a couple of months ago it would be incredibly warm. You know, it's Memorial Day weekend. It's always warm in Indiana on Memorial Day weekend, right? Right, that's what we were thinking, and it's a little bit cool, but it's great. And it makes me think about the, um, you know, the sacrifice that, that our soldiers made for us, you know. I mean, the, uh, the cold, the hot, whatever they went through for us. This is pretty minor compared to what they've done for us, so I'm very appreciative of your willingness to be out here. And those who are inside, we totally understand that, too. Thank you for being with us. Those of you who uh, have stayed at home today, that's awesome as well, and we're just thankful that you are worshiping with us in one day, uh, one way or another. Now, I got to be honest with you, if, if I'm uh, doing this a little bit, it's because the way the sun is shining on my iPad, I can't see it very well. So this could be either a really, really short sermon because I can't see my notes very well, or it's going to be a really, really long sermon because I just start rambling and don't know where to stop. You know, have you ever heard one of those preachers that circle the airport and never land the plane? Okay, well, I hope that doesn't happen today. All right, so here we go. I love this setting. Uh, I love the park to the back. Normally, there's ball games going on. I guess I'm kind of thankful that there's not ball games going on because if you're anything like me, every time a car drives by or the ping of a bat or whatever, your attention automatically goes from here to there. Anybody suffering from that right now? Okay, it's all right. You just work with me a little bit. You'll be just fine. Um, I love the prayer garden behind us. Uh, it's just absolutely gorgeous, and, and the work that our ladies are doing with that, Cheryl and, and Nancy and anybody involved with that, it's great. I'm thankful for this day that God has given us, an absolutely beautiful day, as was mentioned earlier, and I'm thankful for the freedom that we have to do this. Amen? Aren't you thankful? Yeah, praise God for the freedom that we have uh, in this country to do what we get to do. I'm thankful for those who have given their lives so that we have the freedom to do this. Now, Memorial Day is a day that we honor those who have fallen, but I also want to honor those who risked falling um, because they have put their lives on the line for us. Um, maybe they're, they're, you have someone who is a loved one who has done that. Um, and, and so I just want to ask uh, those of you who are here today, those in the sanctuary as well, would, if you served or you have a loved one who served, would you just stand right now? We want to thank you for putting your life on the line. Let's just thank them for their willingness to, uh, to be able to do this, to have this freedom, to be able to, to just wear a shirt like this openly, you know, and, and uh, uh, wear the stars and the stripes and the flags. So I'm thankful uh, for for that, uh, if it were not for your sacrifices, um, we we just wouldn't have this today. Um, today, I want to talk about another sacrifice that certainly fits in. Obviously, that's the sacrifice of Jesus, and we talk about it in the Book of Romans. Uh, we've been talking about it for the first four chapters, and uh, the freedom that we have if we put our faith and our trust and our hope in Jesus. Uh, so today, as we dive in, uh, we are going to be in chapter 5, and we're going to be verses uh, 1 through 11. So if you have your Bibles, uh, those of you who are inside, I think it's going to be on the screen. Is that right? Good job, John. Those of you who are outside, we, we're going old-fashioned. Get your Bible out. 
Uh, get your phone out if you can read it. And uh, we're going to read through Romans chapter 5. We're going to deal today with verses 1 through 11. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if we, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And so last week we saw that Paul was letting us know that it doesn't matter what your upbringing is. It doesn't matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter what, your, uh, what you've been given or what you have, what you might possess. You are justified by your faith in Jesus Christ only. There's no other way to know God than through Jesus Christ. And this chapter begins with, therefore, and Paul is saying, here's the deal, all right? Therefore, since there's no way you can earn your salvation, he's saying, therefore, since it doesn't matter what your nationality is or what your birthright is or any of that stuff, therefore, you have some amazing benefits that come with this relationship, this new relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, if you are in Christ, these blessings that I'm getting ready to talk about are going to be a regular part of your life. It's kind of like if you ever go for a job interview and you start talking about salary package and all of that sort of stuff, then, then they throw in the benefits package, right? This is kind of, for lack of better terms, the benefit package of being a Christian, and the first one is this. And, and, and before we dive into it, I don't want you to think, okay, uh, so you're telling me if I give my life to Christ and I'm going to have all of these benefits. Yeah, that's true. But what happens, I think some people think, you know, it, it, I'll become a Christian for that reason. You know, and, and we don't want to ever think that we, we want to give our hope and our trust to Jesus just to get something out of it. But if we do, these are some things that go along with it. And here's the first thing. We have peace with God. That's the first thing. If, you have, if you're taking notes today, again, they're not on the screen, so you're going to have to pay a little bit more. Uh, you're going to have to pay a little closer attention. Those of you who have your sunglasses on, uh, I don't know if you're sleeping or not, uh, but uh, work with me here and, and pay attention and follow along. We have peace with God. If we place our faith in Jesus, we commit ourselves fully to Jesus Christ and his lordship. The first thing Paul tells us that we receive because of that is peace with God, because he has now declared us righteous. When God looks at us, he doesn't see us as sinners anymore. He sees us as he sees his son, Jesus. We're no longer at odds with him. We no longer are stained by the sin. We're no longer marred by the choices that we've made 
in our past. God sees us as perfect. He sees us as righteous. This means that all of the barriers that were between us and God, they're now gone. And we now have peace with him. I'm going to guess that each of us at one time or another in our lives have felt barriers between us and God. I'm going to guess there was a certain time in your life when maybe there were some things in your life that were standing between you and your relationship with the Lord. I want to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 for just a moment. And these barriers are listed in Genesis chapter 3. And, and I want to read the chapter for you. And it's going to take a minute. You're like, really? You're going to read the whole chapter? And we're not even talking about Genesis, but you're going to read the whole chapter? Yeah, I am, because I think it's very important for us to see how big the problem is that you and I face if we don't know Jesus. Okay? I want you to see the devastation of sin so that you can more fully appreciate the power of peace and the power of reconciliation that we have through Jesus. So here's what it says, beginning in Genesis chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Well, first of all, God already knew that answer. He just wanted, did your mom and dad ever do that with you? You know, they just want to see if you're going to tell the truth or not. They know that you're guilty as can be. You know, this is what God's doing. You know, who told you that? Did you really eat from that? The man said, the woman you put here with me. I love that, too. It's like, hey, not my fault. The woman did it. Not much has changed in the last 2,000 years, has it? She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. So Adam blames the woman. The woman blames the serpent. And so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. I am so sorry that's in there, ladies. I, I got to be honest. I am, I am really, really sorry for that. Uh, but you're going to have to take that up with God. That's, he did that. Um, take it up with Eve, actually. You get to heaven, take it up with Eve. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife, And ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you. You must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat uh, from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food. Until you return to the ground since from it you were taken. 
for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way of the tree of life. So here's what we're up against, guys. All these thousands of years later, here's what we're, what we're up against. It was the very same thing that happened in the Garden of Eden as we just read about in Genesis chapter 3. Verses 1 through 7, we're faced with the shame of our sin. When you commit sin, there is shame, or at least there should be. I know there are some people who don't ever feel that. Um, but that, that's the way we should feel. And guilt, verses 8 and 9. And then uh, verse 10, we, we, we deal with fear. And then we start the blame game, verses 11 through 13, and then death comes, and then separation from God. And so this is what happens. This is what we're up against, right? We have all of this shame. We have this guilt. We have this fear. We have this separation. We have death. But when we are justified through faith in Jesus Christ, when, he make, when we make him the Lord of our lives, we have peace. We don't have to deal with any of that because God has taken that away from us. We now have peace with God and all of these things that Adam and Eve caused us to have in the Garden of Eden. We don't have to worry about those things if we are in Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? And here's the second thing. We have access to God. So not only do we have peace, we have access. Romans 5 2 tells us that we can have peace because uh, of, of through our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to deal with those things anymore. We're no longer separated from him either. We have access to God, the creator of the universe. We can talk to him anytime we want. We can have fellowship with him anytime we want. We are no longer separated by our sin. Jesus paved the way and he declared us righteous. And if we are righteous, then we can go to God freely anytime we want. That's good news. We don't have to be ashamed in his presence. We don't have to feel guilty all the time. We don't have to fear God. Because he's given us his grace. Now we fear God and, and, and um, uh, what could come of his wrath and that sort of thing. But if we are in Christ, we don't have to fear him. He has forgiven us and our relationship with him has been restored. And then that leads us to the next benefit and that is hope. Verse 2 goes on to say that not only have we gained access to, the glory or the access to God, but we've also received hope. In the glory of God. And what Paul means here is because we are, if we are in Christ, one day we're going to share in God's glory. And the hope of that day should inspire us knowing that even if we're put down here in this life, one of these days we're going to share in his glory. You might be saying, well, how's that going to happen? What does that even mean? I think the best way to illustrate it maybe is, is like this. When, when I meet people for the first time, maybe, uh, or maybe the first time I've seen somebody in a long time, like a friend from home or a friend from college or something like that, or I meet somebody for the first time, invariably, someone will say, well, where are you from? And I proudly say, I'm from Columbus, Indiana, right? Proud of that. And that's almost followed by one of three, sometimes four responses in no particular order, usually something along these lines. Oh, that's where Mike Pence is from. 
right? I hear that all the time. Anybody else hear that when you're talking? Oh, that's where Mike Pence is from. Number two, close behind, is usually, oh, that's where Tony Stewart's from, right? Or then, hey, isn't that where Cummins Engines is? Or isn't that the town with all the architecture? You know, you hear all of those sorts of things. And so you are associated with all of these wonderful things that God has given us to be a part of Columbus. Now, in a much grander way, in a much greater way, when God looks at us, he sees us as associated with Jesus, and that takes us to a different level. Just like some of my friends would say, oh, man, that's cool from the same town as Tony Stewart. That's cool. I love Tony Stewart. You know? or, or, or Mike Pence or whatever the case may be or Cummins Engines, you name it. Whatever those people think are pretty cool, that kind of takes you to another level. Again, on a much greater scale, when God looks at us, we are elevated from here to here because of our association with Jesus. Right or wrong, when someone looks at us and associates us with something that maybe we're a part of, it, you know, for better or worse, uh, that's what they think. But through faith in Christ, this is the deal. I don't, it doesn't really matter what people think. It's what God thinks. Through faith in Christ, we're now a part of God's family. You know? And we're, we're associated with someone that's not just good at driving a race car. We're not just associated with someone that went pretty far in politics. We're associated with the creator of the universe. That's a pretty big deal. And he's powerful. And he's holy. And he's love. He's able to be all places at all times at the same time. And he will declare us righteous through our faith. So our hope in him is certain. And we glory in the fact that we get to be with him forever. Now there is this misconception among people that, okay, if, if I give my life to Christ, if I become a Christian, then all of my troubles are going to go away. Have you ever talked to somebody that thinks that or maybe has been, maybe they made that decision to follow Christ and then they, they hit some hard times and they give up because they think they're supposed to have everything wonderful? Well, there's going to be difficulties in life and Paul wants us to know that. In fact, he tells us that God usually bring, uses our difficulties to bring us an even greater blessing. How many of you have ever been through a really, really difficult time in your life only to look back on it and say, I wouldn't want to go through that again, but I learned so much and I grew so much closer to God. I, I, trust me, I don't ever want to go there again. But God was so good and he revealed to me in such a way that no other way could possibly maybe even speak to me. He spoke to me in that way. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying God uses our difficulties to bring us even greater blessings. And so not only do we have joys in Christ, but our joy can remain even when we're going through a difficult time. Rob, I think we got a little squeak in the system. <laughs> I know, that's a joke. Uh, anyway, sorry. WD-40, that's all I'm saying, WD-40. All right. The next thing is, those who are watching online, they're thinking, what in the world is he talking about? We'll explain later, maybe. Next benefit, we build character. Notice that Paul doesn't say that we rejoice for our sufferings. I don't know of anybody that ever says, oh, goody, I'm so thankful I get to go through this horrible situation. 
right? We're not rejoicing for them, but we can rejoice in them, you know? There's no joy in the trouble themselves, but there is joy in our lives because we know that we have these amazing benefits even when some things around us aren't going all that well. Christians can look through the sufferings. Tim Keller teaches that suffering begins a chain reaction that goes like this. Suffering leads to perseverance. In verse 3, perseverance is a word that means single-mindedness. Tim Keller says, suffering makes us focus. It helps us to focus on what's really important. You ever been in a situation where maybe something happens and, and, and it snaps you into focus into what's really important and you look back and you say, man, I was so off base in some areas of my life, but now that this has happened, it snapped me back into focus. God's had to do that with me a few times. Yeah. And then it says, perseverance leads to character. In verse 4, character is a word that means testedness. It's a quality of confidence that comes through experience, Keller says. It comes from following and doing your duty despite of what's going on in your life. And the result is a growing poise. You have this poise. You have this confidence. You have this strength. When everything else around you is crumbling, you have this character and this strength that the world looks at and says, I don't How can they possibly do that? Maybe other Christians look at you and say, how could they possibly be so poised going through this difficult time? And then this leads to hope. Verse 4, suffering uh, causes us to hope. It removes from us all of those rival sources that we have a tendency to put our hope in. Have you ever noticed that? We start putting our hope in this and our hope in that and our hope in that. And then we start to lose these things in our lives and it causes us to focus where our hope should really lie. And that's in God. We can choose to fight it, or we can choose to walk with God through it and allow him to mold us. The choice is up to you. Now, the next benefit is we have the assurance of God's love. Have any of you ever had a really, really rough day when you, have, you know you've blown it, you've said something stupid, you've done something stupid. You don't have to raise your hand on that, but because uh, we've all done that. But you just felt like because of what you did, God might not feel the same way about you. Has anybody ever done that? I've done that. We have our faith in Christ, and when we receive the Holy Spirit, it gives us this internal, I guess, guarantee, for lack of better terms, that God's never going to leave us. That God is... He's in our lives, he's living in our lives, and he loves us unconditionally, and that he's changing you from the inside out. And I tell people a lot, you know, if, if you're still the same today as you were 20 years ago when you first gave your life to Christ, then you're not allowing the Holy Spirit of God... That's called patience. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Um... You, you, the, 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 the fruit will be evident in your lives if you, if you continue to live for him. And if there's no fruit that's evident in your lives, you, you probably, ought to, probably ought to take spiritual inventory and see what's going on. Paul explains that the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 is this, love, joy, peace, Patience or long-suffering, some translations say. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And so you should, ex you should experience this change in your heart and in your mind to desire these things. You should want this fruit in 
your life. And as you do, you're going to recognize that God is working in you. And scripture tells us in Philippians chapter 1, verse 16, I love this verse, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's not going to stop working on you. He's going to continue to improve you. He's going to continue to grow fruit in your life if you allow him to do that. And so that's our internal evidence that God is a part of our lives. But there's also external evidence. And that external evidence is that Christ died on the cross for our sins. Verses 6 through 8, Paul explains that we can be assured of God's love because of the death of Jesus. If you don't have anything else going on in your life, all you have to do is look at the cross and understand that God loves you. And he didn't give his life for us because we were good people. He didn't give his life for us because we deserved it. His sacrifice was based solely on the fact that he loves us. Therefore, we can be certain that he's never going to stop loving us because we didn't do anything to get him to start loving us in the first place. Does that make sense? And the final benefit is this. We can experience complete reconciliation. These last few verses are so important. I don't want to skip past them. They're very, very important. I don't want you to miss these. Paul wants us to see that while the blessings we have studied so far, the blessings that we've talked about so far, while they're incredible, there's so much more. And we see him use these phrases in verse 9 and 10 to emphasize how remarkable God's gift of eternal life is. I want you to notice the tense that Paul uses in this as well. Here's what he says. Verses uh, 9 through 11. Since we have now been justified by his blood... How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled now, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. What Paul is saying here in verse 10 is this. If Jesus stayed on the cross and saved us while we were still sinners, then how much more will he continue to love us and save us if we have been reconciled to him? Does that make sense? He's going to love us continually. And furthermore, if Jesus achieved our salvation when he was dead, how much more will he keep us saved when he's Alive, we have been justified in Christ. We have been saved from our sins in Christ. Our salvation has been achieved in Christ. And so if anybody is telling you that, that uh, you can earn this or if you just do enough good things and uh, or you must have done something bad if this bad stuff is happening in your life or all these things, that's, that's baloney, right? God loves us and sometimes just the devil comes after us and does Stupid things. And the test of our faith, the test of our character, the test of our love for him is how do we respond and how do we react when these stupid things come along in our lives? I don't know. Um, I can't help but think complete reconciliation with the creator of the universe is a pretty good thing. 
And there might be some of you here today that you've not been reconciled to him. Maybe you've been running from him. We teach that you are reconciled to him by confessing that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and you repent of your sins and you're baptized into him. But that's not the end of it. That's just the beginning of an incredible relationship where God starts to change you from the inside out. The Bible tells us that when we are baptized into Christ, he fills us with his Holy Spirit. And then the change starts. Maybe there's someone here today that wants to make that decision. You can come to the front during this song of decision. Uh, Maybe some of you are watching online. Um, You can text the word ready to our church connection number. Um, And and we'll, we'll get back with you and we'll talk to you about what we think you need to do to enter into this relationship. And, and maybe you've already made that decision, but maybe you're struggling with some things in your life and, and you just need some prayer in your life. Um, we'd love to pray for you. Um, I, I'm going to ask you to be in prayer for a special group of people that's been on our hearts this uh, past week, the last Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. We've kind of been out here along the, the sidewalk reaching out to some of the Indian folk in our uh, community, letting them know we're praying for them. And uh, I I don't think it's an accident that God has placed all of them this close to us. And um, we need to be doing something about that. Um, So pray about that. Continue to pray about that, that God would show us ways This is part of why we're out here today, too. It was our hope that maybe some might find their way here uh, during the service. But please be in prayer uh, for that as well. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Uh, We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And then we're going to sing this song of decision. If you have a need this morning, we, we invite you to come.